Good evening, ghouls and ghoulettes, and welcome to Killer Horror Critic, the podcast worth dying for. Hosted by the Killer Horror Critic himself, this is the show where guests from all over the horror spectrum join to talk about some of their favorite horror films. So get snugged under the covers, grab a cuddly puppy, and prepare for tonight's blood-curdling episode of Killer Horror Critic. Good evening, horror fans, and welcome to another episode of Killer Horror Critic. I'm your host, Matt. And I'm Chris. And we are your killer couple critiquing and arguing over horror films, a couple of weirdos at the bar. So maybe we never quite enlighten you, maybe we never blow your mind, maybe we never maybe maybe we never push you over a cliff onto a branch <laughs> and and uh <laughs> and and leave you there to die in the desert. <laughs> but hopefully you just have a good time listening. So tonight You're we- getting really threatening with this. <laughs> A lot, we've talked about a lot of very threatening movies lately. Um, look, so tonight we are continuing our discussion on horror films where women burn shit down. And if you haven't guessed yet, we're doing that with the 2018 film Revenge. So this was written and directed by, hopefully I say these names correctly, this was written and directed by Karali Fergiet, uh, who's a French filmmaker. This was actually her debut feature, which just... Honestly, it blew my mind when it released watching this because this is such an impressive first film. Yeah, that's kind of insane. <laughs> that that just blows you away with the style of it. So so her debut feature, uh, she's currently working on something now which sounds exciting that I hope is still in the process of being made. I don't really know many details on it, but it's called The Substance. And rumors are that it's supposed to be like a female-centric body horror movie. Uh, this is the so only body <laughs> horror film I will ever watch. Yeah, so so I'm very curious about that one. But uh, the film stars Matilda Lutz as Jen. And Matilda's an Italian actress uh, who actually grew up with fashion model parents, which that makes, makes sense. sense. She, she is a beautiful woman. Uh, <laughs> uh, she started working as a model at a young age and has gone on to appear in films such as Rings, uh, a classic horror story, which is kind of interesting, and the one cut of the dead remake, Final Cut, which is currently playing at Fantasia that I'm hoping to check out sometime this week. Uh, it also stars Kevin Johnson's as Richard, who got his start in TV and has since appeared in The Room, not the Tommy <laughs> Wiseau movie, <laughs> but the Room film that came to Shutter a couple years back. Uh, and he was also, interestingly enough, uh, the wolf on the Belgian version of The Mass Singer, which I thought was kind of fun. All right. It has Vincent Columbia as Stan, who also got his start uh, early working in TV. He's been working since 1993. I think he's actually been at it the longest out of the actors that star in the film. Uh, and then lastly, it stars uh, Gulami Bochid. I know I'm going to get that name wrong. As Dimitri, uh, who's also had a pretty productive career in TV. You know, they, they, all these actors are still working consistently. And for those that haven't seen Revenge, it's basically about this woman named Jen who goes out to the middle of the desert at this dude Richard's house that she's sleeping with, who's a married guy. And <laughs> while he is off to get some permits for hunting or some shit like that, uh, his two friends who have shown up are left with her. One of them rapes her, and she is 
eventually left for dead once Richard finds out and decides that murdering her is a solution. <laughs> uh, and then she ends up surviving and hunting their asses down as she should. As she should, <laughs> in revenge. And getting her goddamn revenge. So, Fuck yeah. Uh, so this film is streaming on Shudder. We're going to be spoiling everything that we can with it. So if you have not seen it, please go check it out there. Well worth your time. Yep. If you don't have Shudder, highly recommend renting it. I mean, this is honestly one of my personal favorite movies out of the last five years or so. Um, it's definitely up there for me. Yeah, no, it's just an incredible movie. Uh, so we are going to be spoiling it. But first, we have our brief little bit of spoiler-free content. So we'll let you know we're getting into spoilers. So, as usual, we have our tagline versus the film. Now, I couldn't find a tagline for this movie, so just so just give me your thoughts on what do you think of Revenge overall? Uh, so, I fucking love Revenge, which is kind of surprising because I do not like rape revenge films. I yeah. personally really don't like that genre. Like, the people who do, you know, if that's your thing, awesome. And, like, I also get the, the catharsis of getting to see a, a woman get revenge for such an atrocious act happening. I just mm. can't stomach it. Like, it's yeah. really tough films for me to watch. Having said that, this one's so fucking good that I definitely will watch it. I can't watch it over and over again because it hurts. Mm. But this is one of the most, like, beautiful like brutal films that I have ever seen. And I think a huge reason why this film is so good and so worth watching is it's one of our few female directed rape revenge films. And that's well, huge. Well, as far as I know, you know, this was basically the first, at least the first well-known one, you know, mm -hmm. because it, so this is the thing for me too, is that, you know, this, I'm not I'm not a fan of rape revenge movies either. They it is my least favorite genre of horror movies. Uh for that exact reason. I, I don't like to see this happen to women. I can't stomach it. You know, it's it's just it's not a pleasurable watch no. for me. <laughs> uh so so you know, I've never been a fan of of films like Last House on the Left and oh. I Spit on Your Grave and others like it. You know, I very rarely am I very rarely do I enjoy these movies. And and I think that part of the reason is because they're told from a male perspective. And, and it, it shows. And it shows, <laughs> you know, like those examples in particular, I think I think really show like how it's coming, you know, no offense to like Wes Craven and them, you know, brilliant directors, but mm -hmm. but I, I think it shows in in watching yep. those movies because this is the thing is like when when you watch you know it, it honestly astounds me that it took so long for a film like this to be directed by a woman uh and again i do believe that at the time it was coming out revenge was the first rape revenge movie directed by a woman and you know if not the first then one of the few mm -hmm. uh, and it came out around the same time as a film called mfa which is also a great uh, rape revenge movie directed by a woman that nice. I highly recommend. But you know, it, it, it's it took forever for this to happen, and it astounds me because like when you watch these other films directed by men, you know the key difference to me, and, and we're going to talk about this once we get into spoilers. But the key difference to me is that when you watch a rape revenge film directed by a man, the the woman is still very much objectified and sexualized. Yep. You know, uh, like to to a degree where something that always bugged me. And Last House on the Left, and we could, you know, some of you could probably debate with me on this all day, but but something that always bugged me in Last House on the Left is, like, 
you know, when the mother decides uh. to, when the mother decides that part of her vengeance is going to be, she's going to blow some dude first, and it, you know, to completion, it, to completion. By the way, yeah, not Ew. just not just like a little bit, but to completion. Um, you know, it's just stuff like that where it's like, ah, this doesn't really feel like this should be in this movie, you know. Yep. But in particular, the women are always heavily sexualized, you know, and and they're made to be observed that way. And yet when you watch a film like Revenge or MFA, it's the opposite. Mm -hmm. You know, the the women are made to look powerful. They're not there. They might appear sexualized, but it's meant in a way to uh, empower them. And and it's different. Yeah. And I'm going to talk about exactly how Corali does that in this (laughs) film, but yeah, no. So it just like, I've, I've never been a fan. And so I didn't expect much from revenge when it came out. And just from the opening moments, you know, where, where Fergie is just like assaulting you with this, (laughs) just like incredible visual style, you know, I was just like, okay, damn, like we're in for something amazing here. (laughs) I mean, that's my thing. It's a gorgeous film that has evil dead levels of blood in it. Like, there's so much blood in this that the FX people ran out during some of the scenes. Yes, they did. Well, <laughs> during many of the awesome. scenes. Um, yeah, you know, th- this film first premiered at the Toronto International Film Festival in 2017 uh, in the Midnight Madness section. And, and I think that's a perfect place yes. for it, you know, because this this is like the quintessential sort of midnight movie, you know, where it just like, it feels dirty and grimy and it's bloody and, you know, it just like... The, the gore is excessive and it's awesome and, and you know and you're just like you're cheering the whole time and you know it's just it's such a it's such a crowd pleasing movie and that's such a rare thing to say for a rape revenge film you <laughs> yep. know uh, and, and I will go back to your comment really quick too is that you know well we're not fans of these types of movies mm-hmm. uh, I do know plenty of rape victims who which is an awful sentence to say but I do know plenty who who, who do find catharsis in these movies, mm-hmm. even the ones like, you know, I spread in your grave and the last house on the left, because they they are a movie that still you're seeing a woman get just, well, if not justice, vengeance, vengeance and, and, and giving these men what they deserve, right? Mm-hmm. And, and that's always a, a nice thing to see. Yes. But I consider personally revenge to be the best of them. Yes. <laughs> because of... Fargate's direction and the way that she approaches this type of story, which we're going to talk about right now. So, <laughs> again, if you have not seen the film before, please stream it on Shutter or rent it. Well worth your rental dollars. Uh, otherwise, we're about to spoil everything we can. So, let's just start with that concept, which is the fact that at the time this was the first or one of the few rape revenge films directed by a woman and just what you see as a particular difference between this and one of the other one of the many others <laughs> directed by men that came before this uh well immediately i i have to say i haven't watched a whole lot of rape revenge I, films for the reason that it's not really my style yeah. or the type that i like i mean horror does have a lot of movies that have rape in them what a couple of years ago when this film first came out um when matt was still doing the podcast with the boys they were originally going to talk about this movie and i was mm. going to be on that and so yeah I, this discussion has been a long time <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I at least tried to do some research so that I had a better knowledge of what other rape revenge films. So the only one I saw before that episode got canceled um, was Last House on the Left. So that's mm. the basis for a lot of my like 
male rape revenge movie versus female directed. Well, and that's one of the most popular too. So it gives you, you know, they're not all the same, obviously, yeah. but it obviously, but it gives you a sense of what they might be like. Yeah, and so for me, like, there's a huge difference between a male shot movie like this and a female shot movie. A large part of it has to do with how Jen is sexualized, how you kind of brought up in the beginning. Mm. Um, and it's funny because this same commentary and comparison got brought up with Harley Quinn's portrayal in Suicide Squad versus Harley Quinn uh, and Emancipation um, because male director versus female. Mm. Um, and that's the thing. A female director will absolutely sexualize a, um, a gorgeous female actress. Well, she, look, they're sexy, you know? They so. are. <laughs> you know, but it's much more nuanced, which I think is is awesome and that's mm. a huge part of it because like you have a male director and it's all tits and ass and shit like that and like not to say that that's not sexy but a female director really captures what we actually find sexy about women you know the way the director shoots jen it's a lot more about like her eyes and her smile and it's less like inherently tits and boobs because we barely see jen's naked body we see it mm. once we see a lot more we, dude ass we we got a, we got a bunch of dude ass and some dick of, too you know yeah. which, which is you know which even in 2017 was still kind of rare and mm. and you know n nice or thankfully uh horror has started to give us a lot more dick <laughs> you know because i believe in equal opportunity nudity yeah, and who show us the dick and who doesn't like to see a little dick and ass you know uh, right <laughs> men have nice asses i want to see more of it it's only fair exactly if i see tits i want male ass right um so she gets it she gets that we deserve to have both yeah. Um, but, you know, it's also with things like how the rape scene is shot. She really captures the brutality of something like that in a way that male directors don't really capture. They try to make it into the, like this this horrible, grimy thing, and they focus on the act a lot. And it is a horrible thing. But, you know. The, and this is the thing right here <laughs> is that, you know, a, a lot of male directors, I feel – See, I think the key difference there with that particularly is that for male directors, I feel, you know, it, it, there are certainly men that are raped as well. You know, it's mm -hmm. much less common. Uh, but it I, happens. But it happens. But I think because it's much less common, most men, I think, have to really sort of imagine the act, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. As in, like, you know, for them, they don't inherently feel the the fear and the terror of it mm -hmm. so they so to them i feel like you know there's this sense of having to put it all on screen yeah you know there's this sense of having to really establish the horror of it mm -hmm. and what forget does differently here is she says no, no you just need to know it's happening yeah you know the, like that's enough that mm -hmm. that's enough for for her it's more about the build-up to it you mm -hmm. know the the discomfort of the way that Stan is talking to her and yep. looking at her and confronting her about bullshit. <laughs> like, you liked me last night. <laughs> Did my height change overnight? Like, fuck off, Stan, yeah. you know? Um, like, like she focuses more on the the lead-up mm -hmm. to the act, you know? Yeah. Because that, that is part of the horror, mm -hmm. is, is being put in the situation of a woman having to you know, sort of, uh, I guess, kind of, like, walk the line of, like, how to deal with this situation with Stan, yep. where it's, like, the threat is there, it hasn't happened yet, and it almost kind of feels like, you know, Jen's trying her best to sort of 
defuse the situation because yep. she knows where it can go, you know? Mm-hmm. So so that that right there is one of the key differences. And also, you know, y- you mentioned a lot, like, the way that Jen's shot. And mm-hmm. I agree. Like, she's shot in a way where we focus on other things that are sexual about her. Mm-hmm. But I think another key difference is that, you know, I, I would even go as far as to say that Fargita's purposely objectifying her in a sense Mm -hmm. because i think that this first act is sort of meant to be seen the way an average rape revenge film is through a male perspective and why i say that is that the the first the first shot is of uh richard and a close-up of his eyes you know kind of pulling out of his eyes and his sunglasses Mm -hmm. and and jen's just kind of in the background you know like jen's being adorable being adorable (laughs) mind you but but jen's just kind of in the background and you know the first images we see of her is she's hot you know she's coming out of this helicopter like sucking on the sucker you know Mm -hmm. like looking just goddamn gorgeous and like and and this whole first act we're getting you know just Jen's flirtatiousness, mm-hmm. uh, the the men taking in the different elements of her, you know, and what I think Fargit does that's so brilliant here is that this first act is kind of meant to be like, all right, this is your average rape revenge movie, mm-hmm. you know, or this is kind of like how men view it, mm-hmm. but then the moment that you know Jen die, or then the moment that Jen is you know pushed off the cliff. Everything changes after there, and Fargate says, okay, now this is how you're <laughs> supposed to do it, you know? Um, now, obviously, she's still doing it in a much more <laughs> in a much more professional and less objectifying way, mm-hmm. you know? But I feel, like, I feel like you're supposed to see this first act as kind of like the typical male perspective to honestly see how pathetic it actually is. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's an interesting point. I don't know if I 100% agree, but I don't disagree either. Well, well, here's another reason I say mm-hmm. that is that, you know, so again, you have, it's film language to me. So you have that first shot of Richard's eyes mm-hmm. and the closing shot of the film is a close-up of Jen's face. Yeah. You know, so the way I kind of take that is like, you know, it's like we're kind of opening up in this sort of sense of like, we're we're in a man's world, you know. Mm-hmm. We're in Richard's world. Like this is this is Richard's point of view. Richard is honestly our main character for like the first fifteen minutes or so, you know. Mm-hmm. So we're kind of like in his male-dominated <laughs> world, and then by the end, it's kind of like we're in Jen's world now. Yeah, we're seeing this through a female perspective. We're seeing this through Jen's eyes. This is Jen's world. <laughs> yeah, I definitely agree with you there. I think also with a lot of you know, rape revenge films and stuff like that, the the dudes that commit the crimes are much more the characters than the women are, even though the act's been committed on them and they're out for revenge. Like, again, looking at Last House on the Left, the female characters really don't have much of a personality. It's mainly about those dudes. And so I think that's what you're getting with the beginning is, yes, to your point, it's how men view this stuff. It's about the male characters. And our director very much, she's like, nope, this is about Jen. This is Jen's story. And one of the things that I like that she does with Jen as a character is the fact that she's a very different, I want to say, type of rape revenge victim. Because I think a lot of the times we get females who happen to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. They're Mm. a little bit more innocent and this happens to happen to them. And what I fucking love about Jen and what the director does that I think is different than what we see in a lot of rape revenge films is that Jen owns her body. 
to your point, the first time we meet her, she's fucking sexy. And I think that it's pointing out something that happens a lot with like rape culture and stuff like that is it's that that comment of, well, what was she wearing? How was she talking? All of this stuff that's that's aimed at kind of diluting why the women the woman is responsible for what happened to her. Mm. The thing I fucking love about revenge is the fact that it takes all of that and shoves it in our fucking face and goes, fuck no, it does not matter that Jen is sexy and confident. Consent is consent. Fuck you, assholes. Well, well this is what I'm trying to say is that, again, <laughs> I, I think that this first act is supposed to be, you know, not necessarily... You know, we we can look at different ways. Maybe it's not necessarily through the male perspective, but I think it is supposed to kind of be like commenting on that of, you know, this is how men view the world. Yeah. Like, I, I honestly think that's what it's supposed to be is it's supposed to be this is how men view the world. And that's, you know, Stan's sort of argument, if you want to <laughs> call it that. Is that, you know, he's kind of like, well, you were all dancing on me last night. You know, it, we're, we're seeing this. I think what she's doing is we're seeing this through a male perspective in a sense through these first few scenes mm -hmm. to kind of establish just how ridiculous it is. Yeah. Because despite the fact that we're seeing it that way, Fergie still manages to make sure that we understand it's not Jen's fault. Yeah. You know, like there's no such thing as like, well, because she dressed like this, it's her fault. <laughs> we're supposed to understand that Stan is a pathetic douchebag. He is a pathetic douchebag. <laughs> who, who, who thinks that because Jen danced on him for a minute, mm -hmm. that he suddenly like owns her, you know? Like yeah. that we're, News we're flash, to, dancing is not consent. Right, exactly. Like we're we're supposed to we're supposed to see that and be like, oh, this is how men see things, mm -hmm. and this is how stupid that is, you know? Yeah. And honestly, like how horrifying it is in the sense that like, you know, it, it is so easy for women to fall into these traps with men because there are men like Stan that think that because that happens, you know, suddenly they, they have like a right to your body and that's just not true, you know? So, yep. so I feel like we're kind of doing that so that we can, and we focus on Stan, you know, we mm -hmm. focus on Stan kind of throughout the movie a little bit because I think we're honestly supposed to see more and more and more like just how pathetic of a guy he is, He is, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Um, but one last thing I want to mention about seeing it through a female perspective that I love that others I don't really do mm -hmm. uh, before this is I also love that it includes, you know, the Dimitri character kind yep. of stumbling onto the scene and watching it for a moment. Mm -hmm. And we get that just really disgusting close up of him eating the candy bar. And, and the sound design is just so perfect and unsettling where it's like you hear all the slurping and the you know chewing and all that nope. and, and it's meant you know that i think is brilliant because it's meant to unsettle you the same way that you know male directors try to unsettle you with like look at all the rape happening you know mm -hmm. this is supposed to be like we're still unsettling you but we're showing you the other horror of it which is men that allow this to happen yep you know men that just stay silent and don't say anything mm -hmm. <laughs> Uh, and, and they're part of the problem, you know? Yeah, well, this film touches with each of the men, touches on the three points of the problem of, of rape culture. You have the rapists themselves with Stan. You have the dudes who do nothing, even though they know shit's going on with Dimitri. And then Richard represents 
you know, society, you mm. know, putting pressures and trying to sweep everything under the rug and taking the male side over the female side in what's happening. And that's mm. the brilliance of this film is just how many different layers there are in this. Right. And then you have the fucking badass that is Jen. Right. And she is a badass. I, yep. I will contradict you a little bit on on the idea that she is like more of a character than you typically see in these kinds of movies, though. Mm -hmm. Last House on the Left is a different case because, you know, that involves two girls who who are central characters for that first act or so mm -hmm. or for the first half or so. But they die. They die. And know? that's a Spo part of it. Yeah. Spoiler alert for a film from the seventies. <laughs> but but they die, they die, you know? And yeah. so so they 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 they're no longer your your central character mm -hmm. after that. And it becomes about the parents. Revenge is, you know, revenge is obviously different from that. We follow Jen for the movie. She's our main character. But the thing that I find interesting about her is that to me, she's still not necessarily a character for me she's more just a an icon a symbol of female rage yes you know and, and this agree. and this and this is also what i really love about revenge is that so again through that first act you're kind of getting you know if if you want to take sort of what i'm saying with it you're kind of getting like the male perspective side of things but then once jen is pushed off that cliff she becomes a completely different person. I, I almost view her as like a woman possessed, you know, <laughs> because there there is some sort of like religious iconography going on here. And, and I'm not. She, she's the Phoenix. Well, she's the Phoenix. Yeah, mm -hmm. it, 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 it ties in the Phoenix and sort of religious elements, which I don't think Fargate is saying like, yeah, Christianity. I'll mm -hmm. get to I'll get to how she's kind of giving a middle finger to that in a second. But. <laughs> But there's there's this iconography of like you know we we've got Jen sort of like crucified on this you know tree or branch or whatever mm -hmm. she's kind of hanging their arms out you know and and she basically the way I kind of view it I almost sort of imagine like Jen actually kind of dies and oh it, yeah and it, you know like this this was this was a big comment or a criticism that some people had when the film came out which I vehemently disagree with. I mean, I get it if you're nitpicking it and being like, that should totally kill her because, yes, I agree. I mean, that yeah, branch... Yeah, but that, this, is that, a, this is horror films. Well, I know, but, you know, <laughs> look, you know, to each their own. Mm -hmm. I mean, I mean, some people want the film to be as realistic as possible, and so I get it. You know, Jen... <laughs> Jen should be dead yes. <laughs> in that case. And and so if you can't if you can't buy it, I understand. But I do think that's not the point. It's supposed to be unrealistic, you know. It's mm -hmm. it, it is a film films are our dreams, you know. Yeah. And so she, you know, she should die there. Mm -hmm. But instead what happens is, you know, she gets off the branch by lighting it on fire. <laughs> by lighting it on fire. And <laughs> which I'm not quite sure how that all that works, but but she lights it on fire, and eventually, you know, she gets to that cave and just basically, you know, gets super fucking high, <laughs> and and it, like you know, cuts the the phoenix label off and burns mm -hmm. it to her skin, and and to me, that whole scene is like, I it's to me, it's sort of like she is dying there, mm -hmm. but then coming back as you know this like vengeful phoenix yeah like she she's almost kind of like the female crow you know she's undead yeah. <laughs> in my opinion maybe not in the film's opinion you know like mm -hmm. she's still living and she can be alive if you want her to be alive but i think symbolically she died and came back as just like this 
fucking vengeful, rage-filled woman that's like, I will destroy every fucking man <laughs> in my way. <laughs> no, I absolutely agree with you. You know, because for me, the gen that we meet at the beginning is like the idealized woman on yes. in the fact that she not only from the male perspective but i would even argue from a certain female perspective because she is inherently very comfortable in her own body comfortable with what she does she's confident um and she's going after what she wants she doesn't have a whole lot of fear and then stan is a fucking asshole does his shit and yeah, then we get the rebirth moment. And I fucking mm. love that because, yeah, I think she is the embodiment. This whole film is the embodiment of fucking female rage at the goddamn male species. And yeah. I love it. Yeah, it is. And, and again, you know, I, on the religious side of it, it's like, you know, she she goes into this cave. And it, I, I think that Fargate includes the phoenix so mm -hmm. that it can kind of be less religious, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, and sort of being like, because, you know, phoenixes are all about rebirth and that kind of stuff and and rebirth through flame. But but the idea of her like coming out of this cave after having died. Yes. Yeah. You know, that <laughs> like zombie Jesus, like zombie Jesus, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, it, it has that sort of religious vibe to it. Right. Like yeah. dying in this cave. And then her first kill with Dimitri, too. You know, she's kind of like coming out of the water, almost like being born again. You know, so yeah. there's that kind of element to it, but I think that that's there to get you thinking about religion, mm -hmm. because at the same time, revenge is also very much like fuck religion and fuck the male patri patriarchy, mm -hmm. because later on you have where she's battling Richard, and I don't think it's too coincidental that the piece of him that she fucking destroys is his ribs. Yeah. To me, I feel like part of the reason we're in the desert isn't just for, you know, the isolation and the look of it, which is all fantastic yep. <laughs> and works very well for this kind of movie. But, you know, the, the whole story with Adam and Eve and all that kind of stuff from the goddamn Bible, mm -hmm. you know, is that all that bullshit of like, oh, you know, uh, God created woman by pulling her the rib know, of by, Adam? by pulling out the rib of Adam and <laughs> making her from Adam and all, you know, all that crap. That's basically like trying to paint, you know, men as as, as more than women, mm -hmm. right? You know, that that ends up tying into the whole thing with and I'm sorry if I'm all over the place, folks, no. but that that ends up tying into, you know, why I think we have such a focus on the apple. Yeah. Because to me, it sort of reads like, you know, Jen is this woman who has taken a bite out of this male privilege in the sense that she is you know, because when we first meet her, like, we get the sense that, you know, she doesn't have work. She's probably not, doesn't have that much money, probably. Mm -hmm. And and she's sort of taking this bite of male privilege and, you know, being at Richard's super swanky rich guy house or whatever, you know, with his fucking private helicopter and all this crap. She, she's taking a bite out of that. And it's almost like the men, in a sense, are punishing her for having taken a bite out of this, like you know, this, uh, this, this wonderland, right. Or whatever you want to call it, uh, the garden. <laughs> no, I think you're onto something. I think you missed the apple bit though, because the apple is obviously the temptation. Well, she's well, the temptation. Well, I, I think it's, I think it's a little bit of both. She, she's a temptation. Yes. Mm -hmm. But, but I, I think that the apple still kind of ties into that sort of idea of like, she also bit the apple 
And and if we are looking at you know the sort of religious side of this, mm-hmm. the the biting the apple of Eve in the garden is what got her tossed out. You know what got, according to the Bible, what got mankind tossed out to the fucking you know painful desert and all that crap and mm-hmm. out of the garden. So so it is not so so basically I feel like it's the men are punishing her for that in a sense. You know mm-hmm. they're they're all very like we get that sort of imagery of. Uh, a stand being very reptilian. Yep. You know, so He's in an it, iguana. An iguana. So in the sense they're kind of like these these reptilian cold-blooded snakes, you know, reptiles whatever, and and they're punishing her for having, you know, taken this bite, for mm-hmm. having for having basically existed, you know. <laughs> and, and so I do end up loving this desert setting and all that, but but I end up feeling like it's a middle finger to the sort of religious ideals of things. Because to me, her eventually, like, we, we get all this religious imagery to think about it, and her blasting the ribs out of Richard, <laughs> to me, is supposed to be, like, Fargia and Jen basically being, like, fuck your Bible, you know? Yeah. Like, like fuck the idea that I came from your goddamn <laughs> ribs. They're just fucking ribs. You're just the fucking man, and you bleed and die, too, you know? So. I mean, I can definitely see that. I feel like you're you're missing one of the, the big iconographies in it and that's you have a mother mary painting in the background you do yes um and by the end of that like that scene that you're talking about with blowing richard's ribs out that thing is smeared in blood so i think to Mm. your point that's also a reference to the fact that the blood of these women's is on the hand of the churches that kind of like promote this patriarchy and all that kind of stuff yeah that's in there somewhere what i'm trying to say (laughs) i'm just trying to help you with your religious metaphors and what have you i can definitely see that for me i guess i see a little bit more again that's what i mean by the apple they're you know the the, the religion punishes women for bullshit (laughs) it does it does punish women for bullshit no, I, I definitely see your point with that. For me, I see a lot more Greek mythology with some of this mm. stuff, um, just because how she lands on the branch for me reminds me more of Prometheus, you know, who was punished for giving humans fire, um, and then she has to light it on fire to escape. Um, and for me, the the stream kill is very reminiscent of like Artemis being like. Because the whole thing is the dude gets his eyes gouged out because he watched and didn't help. Yes. And Artemis is very much just like, oh, you fucking look at me? You fucking look at me? I kill you now. But Maybe it's maybe, both. <laughs> it, maybe it's both. There could be multiple layers. But for me, the desert is, I definitely see the the Christian messaging in it. Um, but for me, the, the hunters and the desert that we're getting in this is very reminiscent of how utterly alone women are in this stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so it's that thing of, you know, men really, look, the directors fucking nailed it with this, that men are fucking hunters and you feel like prey Mm. so much. Like, you know, she nailed it with the one line that is terrifying right before, you know, the rape happens. You know, there's that line that Stan has of, what don't you like about me? That to anybody else, it's an innocuous line. What, do you, mm. what don't you like about me? But it is the most terrifying thing a woman can hear because that's the beginning of the hunt. Like, mm. that's the beginning to, because that's the first time we see Jen starting to get scared because she knows the hunt's on and it's really fucking hard to escape. Um, the, the hunt as in, like, he's making clear that... He's he, coming for her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it's basically, you know, with a situation like that, you have to figure out a way how you're going to get out of it, how can you get out of it safely. And fucking props to Jen because she speaks her mind to Stan. He asks what she doesn't like about him, and she gives him an answer. 
Mm-hmm. Like, which is, it's a really difficult situation. And, you know, Jen, like a lot of us, is trapped in a goddamn desert. She has well, nowhere to go. Well, well, and it's also suggesting, too, you know, just the idea of sort of the entrapment that women are put in, where it's mm-hmm. like, you know, it's it's not fair that yeah. they can't, you know, it's not fair that Jen can't give him an honest answer mm-hmm. without being criticized for it. Yep. You know, and so it kind of like implies what what so many women go through, which is having to walk that tightrope of like, mm-hmm. how do you handle that situation? You know, but but no, yeah, I, I agree with you with the desert imagery as well, like getting away from the kind of religious thing and being thrown out of the garden and all that crap. <laughs> uh, it, it does establish the isolation uh, mm-hmm. of women kind of being lost in there. And I think it also kind of speaks a little bit too to just like the the way that men sort of destroy and and mm-hmm. ruin things you know because yep. because you know if you if you consider the garden imagery this this here feels like a place that that men thrive in like they thrive in the destruction and it, you know and, and it's sort of an implication of like what they're doing to Jen is they're they're taking away they're taking away all of that life from mm-hmm. her right and just kind of leaving her as like this you know this scarred desert so to speak right but no but they are hunters and and i and i do i do really appreciate like how forgia kind of you know navigates this because this is one of the few films where i where i feel like you've seen the rape revenge scenario kind of portrayed through a lens of like you know framing the men as hunters uh because that like you said that's what it is right Mm -hmm. like men are on the hunt Always. You know, I mean, like always. always. Like, and, 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 you know, like even not as a woman, it drives me insane that women can't just go to a fucking bar and have a drink with their friends and not have like some dude ruin the occasion for them. Right. Yep. Like I can't, I can't mention the movie yet because it's plain F Fantasia and I don't want to say anything about it. But, but there, there's one film I watched recently where, you know, it's kind of about women overcoming trauma uh, from men and there's one point early on where uh, these women are going out to this retreat together and they're on this very peaceful drive kind of going through the woods. And then it's immediately like interrupted by these two hunter dudes that just run into the middle of the street (laughs) and, and like invite them to come back to their camp or whatever. And it's very uncomfortable and all that. And it's supposed to imply of like, you know, these women can't even go out to the middle of the fucking woods and escape dude sitting on them, you know? So like, you can't can't go anywhere. We can't have shit. (laughs) Right. So, right. So, so I feel like, you know, this is really kind of talking about that, about how men are always on the hunt Mm -hmm. and, and we see the way that they view Jen and women in general as animals you know like they don't these men don't view Jen or any other woman on an equal level to them no and you know because like we we get the sense that this has happened before oh Richard has definitely murdered people right women or or, or if not this exact situation you know we we get the sense that Richard's probably done this before yeah Richard makes the the comment at the end of like what does he say? Something like women always have to put up a fight or something. Mm-hmm. Like, first of all, yeah. fuck you, Richard. Um, <laughs> would you not fight for your life? Like, what the fuck, man? Yeah. Uh, but uh, like, we get that, and then there's also Stan's line where he says something about, you know, we'll just call the lawyers. The lawyers always take care of it or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, so you do get the sense that, like, if not murder, they have raped women before. Oh, absolutely. Like, yeah. and even Dimitri, when we get Dimitri's, like, kill scene, even he treats Jen like prey. 
He's mm. treating her the same way he as a hunter treats animals. Well, he talks about her as prey. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And it's, for me, there's a line that Richard has that I feel like speaks volumes where he says, um, the desert is sublime but merciless with the careless. Mm. And for me... To a dude, the desert would be sublime because Richard and all the guys, they've got their their motorcycles, their cars, their RVs. They've got the tools to survive in the desert. So it can be beautiful and wonderful. But for fucking Jen, who's got shit all, like, no. And that, that I think, is the big thing with this. Well, that goes back to the privilege thing of yeah. how, like, this is their world, right? Yeah, <laughs> so, of course, it's sublime. And they view careless, you know, they view people like Jen who acts above her station because you know she wants vengeance for what was done to her she wants accountability and shit i am you know they view you know, people like that as being careless they were careless in the desert it's just like you know what richard fuck you i'm glad you got killed with your dick out that makes me feel better. Yeah, and I mean, there's also a cruelty to the desert, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, the, there's a cruelty to the desert. There's a cruelty to to their world. There's a cruelty to men. Yes. You know, like, and that's another thing that this film's really kind of getting into is just that sort of primal cruelty of men, uh, you know, which I think is a really, really well established through uh, the moment where Richard throws the dead fox onto the car. <laughs> and, it, you know, like, it's just such a... It's just such a like grotesque thing to do to yeah. like throw this dead animal onto the car and have it just be Blood bleeding splatter. all over everything. And and his comment is like, "Oh, I thought I'd have a little fun on the way back, you know." And and that's something that I never really understood. And granted, hunting is you know all people do it, <laughs> not just men. But that's something that I never really understood is like the fun of killing things. You know, I just yeah. never I never really got that myself. And and if and if you're a hunter and and you do that like you know to each their own. I just never understood it, uh, but that is something that is very dominant in male culture is just like, kind of like you were hinting at, it's just this idea of machoism, mm-hmm. uh, survivalism, like survival of the fittest, like like growing up, you know, I, I just, <laughs> li- living, like growing up in a male world, like being a male in a man's world, like you're, you're under constant pressure of having to be like, the fittest and the strongest and the fastest, you know, and like it's and and it's just it's you're like in constant survival mode almost, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I know it's the same for women in in a different it's a, sense. It's a different but, type of survival. But you know, there's just that there's just like that constant like battle of like showing who's toughest, you know, mm-hmm. like like I grew up with dudes always wanting to like arm wrestle and like prove that they're <laughs> better somehow, you know, and it's just like or I don't know, we could fucking coexist and just. <laughs> you know, live peacefully, or you can fucking try to prove that you're better than me by beating me at arm wrestling, like, you know, so, <laughs> hey, <bro. laughs> so, so, I mean, it's just, I, I think it's just kind of talking about that sort of culture with them being hunters as well, is just like how, how there's this inherent sort of cruelty in men and this, and this need to be the dominant one, you know? Yeah, the need they, to control and, and dominate. Right, like, they, like, they, Right, like they need to feel powerful, mm-hmm. you know, to feel like men. Like they need to feel, you know, and that goes back to Dimitri, or and that goes back to Stan kind of losing his shit over. Like I think it's so perfect that she says you're too short for me, because <laughs> to a dude, you know, that to some dudes, that that's gonna be such a like knock on their ego of like yeah. you know being called small in any sort of way, right? Yep. And so and so there's just this idea of these men they. They gotta feel like they're in control and dominant to feel like men, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's just, 
it's just such a bullsh bullshit concept. So bullshit. That, that you have to feel like you're more powerful than something to feel like a man. And that just <laughs> seems exhausting. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> like, I feel like that's where we see, like, both Richard and, um, and Stan really kind of lose it towards their end. Because as they're losing control of the situation, they just don't know how to deal with that. So they get emotional and they freak the fuck out. And then Jen shoots them. <laughs> the fucking right. face well that's why i think that it, it works well too like first of all I, one of the things i love most about this film is just kind of that sort of aggressive style of the imagery of it yeah you know like forget like forget's not fucking around right <laughs> like this <laughs> the the way that she shoots this movie and presents it to you it, it is in your face like yeah. it, it is it is right in there with you and, and, like, you cannot look away. You can't avoid it. Like, it feels like it is literally attacking you. Yeah, you're in the splash zone. <laughs> sure, you're in the splash zone. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, it feels like it's really attacking you. And I think that part of that is, again, to kind of get into sort of that primal sort of world mm -hmm. uh, that that men live in and that men put people in. Yeah. You know, and, and so going back to what we were just saying – it's why I think that it really works, uh, that imagery with Jen dancing and, and you know, kind of drawing their attention, I guess. Mm -hmm. And it's sort of blended with, like, the, the wrestling imagery going on on, t on TV. Yep. And, it, you know, to me, I think that's partially because they're that's, that's the way the men are thinking about <laughs> it, you know? They're, they're all they're, wrestling in the brains. Well, right, and not necessarily in a sexual way. Mm -hmm. I mean, yes, that's implied, but... Yeah. But also in just the way of like wrestling is about dominance as well, mm -hmm. you know, and, and these men, they they see Jen in this light and they want to be dominant with her. They want to control her. They want to, you know, make her bend to their will, so to speak. Right. Um, <laughs> yes. Not wrong. Right. And, and so, you know, I, so we just end up getting a lot of stuff like that. And, you know, something I was talking to Chris about that I really love with the imagery as well is we get two separate moments with 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 other life <laughs> mm -hmm. in the film that I think is portrayed very differently where you have one where Jen is hanging on this stick and it, you know the blood is dripping off her and kind of falling on this ant Anthony and, yeah and, and the ant you know as Chris pointed out to me during the movie, uh, they cannot say that no animals were harmed during the making of this film because that ant most likely died. It killed Antony, <laughs> but it wasn't uh, her fault. But it wasn't her fault, and that's the thing, is that Jen is not intentionally hurting this ant, mm -hmm. you know, and, and she herself is almost like the ant in the view of the men in the sense that they view her as smaller than them, mm -hmm. and, and you know, this ant is being drenched in blood. Like, it's kind of, you know, it's a, it's a victim to, yeah. to this world that these men have created, and... Then later on, you see the way that Stan acts with the spider as he's taking a piss, and he, like, intentionally is trying to piss all over the spider, right? Which is and, rude. And, well, it's rude. It's cruel. You know, mm. like, like some of our listeners know this. Like, I, I actually save spiders. I think I saved the spider that day that we were watching this film. And, you did. You know, we I found it on the couch, and I put it on a napkin and put it outside. Like, that's, yep. that's just how I am. But... But, there, but, you know, Stan is one of these men where it's like he has to feel more powerful than something weaker than him, mm -hmm. you know? And and I think that's kind of what that's about is we're supposed to see the dichotomy between the two of them yeah. where it's like Jen would not intentionally harm an animal like this or an insect. And here's Stan over here like, <laughs> I'm going to piss all over this spider. Yeah, this spider's my bitch, you know? Like, it's just – it's. It, 
again, I think Fergie consistently is trying to make us see how pathetic these men actually are. <laughs> yeah, well, I think we also get some look into like these these gender roles too with the the colors that get used. Yes, um, definitely. Yeah, because the house, the big colors that the house has is it has one bright blue window, one bright pink window, and then it's blues and pinks and yellows are all the things. And I feel like you know, the colors play really big into this because Jen, for all of the beginning, is only wearing pink. Wearing a very feminine color, it's bright pink, and kind of very stating what everybody thinks that her role is. And I think it's very interesting the first time that we meet Stan, her rapist, he's also seen through the pink window. Um, because, let's face it, he is a lesser than man, because fuck you, if you rape women, you are lesser than. You, you are a piece <laughs> of shit. Well, he, he, he clearly has that sort of syndrome of knowing how pathetic he is, because yep. he feels like he has to take advantage of women he perceives as weaker than him to feel powerful. Because yep. he's obviously a piece of shit compared to someone like Richard who just knocks him out and... <laughs> You know, you can't do anything against him, so... Yeah, um, but then I think it's interesting that, like, the party scene is the one time Jen's not wearing pink and she's wearing yellow, and her actions are much more neutral. She's not the, you know, the... Um, she's not the submissive woman, and she's not the taking charge, like, dude, she's right there in the middle. And then when she gets murdered, she's in blue, you know, mm. and I think that's her. That's her asserting herself using having more masculine traits, if you will, which is, again, why when she shows up to kill fucking Richard, she's in the blue window. She's not in the goddamn pink window. She's there to be aggressive and assertive, and she's going to kill him the same way he would have killed her. Well, right. And so, you know, I, I, I don't I don't assume that Fargia, you know, views uh, gender through blue and pink. But no. but that is how society has typically seen it. Right. Yeah, she's using and, it. And she's using that to, to make her point. So, no, I completely agree. You know, this is something I picked up on as well is that when when we first meet Jen through Stan's eyes, he has seen her through that pink glass. He has mm -hmm. seen her as female. He's seen her as feminine. Uh, and then later on, you know, it's Jen uh, looking through the blue glass at Richard and him seeing her through the blue glass. And yes, now he sh now she has transgressed from, you know, just being seen as feminine to, mm -hmm. to something more powerful, to something more powerful in their eyes. Right. Mm -hmm. But the other side of that that I like is that, you know, with the pink glass moment with Stan and her. She is the one being observed. She is the one being objectified. Again, why I keep going back to that first act is about how men objectify women. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we see her through Stan's point of view in that sense. This time around, in the end, it's Richard who is naked and vulnerable. Yep. And it is Jen who is objectifying him. Mm -hmm. So I'm not even sure that the blue glass is necessarily about her being more dominant. I mean, that plays into it, I think. But I think it's also about, like... You know, kind of saying, no, 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 you're the one being objectified this time, <laughs> motherfucker. <laughs> Fuck I, you I'm, and your tiny dick. <laughs> I'm looking at this through the female gaze now. Mm -hmm. Fuck your male gaze, you know? <laughs> uh, so I, th I think there's that part of it to it. And, yeah. and it's also, you know, it's also very striking, too, like how, how those two glass windows are so separate as well, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I think, again, it's supposed to imply just, like, how separate these worlds are viewed through 
men like Richard in particular. Yeah. But no, I mean, there's just so many good imagery in this. Like, really, so qu- like really quick, I want to go back to just her being reborn and the whole Phoenix thing again. Mm-hmm. Like, I love that. I really love that whole dream sequence oh, in the cave. Oh, it's so intense. Because uh, it's very intense. And again, I think she dies there. Yeah, I mean, her <laughs> head gets blown off twice. Well, that's in a dream. But I'm saying... <laughs> it could represent her dying. Sure, but, but either way, I think that... <laughs> You know, she does die there, in mm-hmm. my opinion. And she, you know, we get this sort of like nightmare sequence where the end of it is, you know, her standing in this field and this bird just like soaring towards her, right? Again, kind of very crow, the crow like. Like yeah. it almost it almost feels like the spirit's coming into her. And then you also have too that just very almost sort of satanic voice that's like murder, you know? <laughs> and and I almost view that as kind of like she is making a pact almost of like, you know, what, whatever you want to call it, a pact with the devil, a pact with whatever, uh, to like come back and get her vengeance. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so, so I do view this as a supernatural movie um, in, in a very subtle, like a very subtle one at that. Yeah. But I, but I kind of love that idea of like her coming back from the dead for this vengeance. <laughs> I am 100% but, here for that. But one last comment on the imagery is that, you know, we were talking earlier about how, you know, about how typically these films presented uh, from men view, or, or portray women as like sexual objects in a sense, right? Mm-hmm. And what Fargia does, again, after jen after the first act after jen has been killed so to speak not only does it kind of feel like she is dead i mean let's keep in mind too jen doesn't speak a single word after she's pushed off that cliff jen never speaks again she's almost like a zombie in that sense okay yeah (laughs) but but not only is there that but the film 100 percent stops objectifying her in any sort of way Mm -hmm. and instead you know there's one shot maybe one shot that someone could argue that and where where the camera like pans up her uh when she walks out of that cave and is loaded up with guns mm-hmm. you could argue that's sexual and she's certainly attractive in that she's moment. super sexy but but i take it as not being sexualized but being powerful it's an yeah. it's an empowering shot mm-hmm. to because because also the camera's not viewing her in pieces you know like like tits and ass and lips and whatever mm-hmm. it's giving her the full shot of like she is a whole person, and she's powerful and will kick your ass, you know? Yeah. Well, we do We do two pans after she comes back. There's that one, and then we have one last one where Richard sees her again through the blue window. And I really love that scene because it almost feels like it's being thrown in his face, the, the scars that he's caused to her. Because mm. everything we're focusing on on that last pan up is her blood and her wounds and what he's done to her. Um, what society has done to Jen, what she's had to suffer because of that. And I think that that's really cool and powerful. You know, and then she fucking shoots him. Right. And if you still don't believe me on the supernatural thing, the last comment I want to make there <laughs> before we move on to the end of this movie is that is that not only does she never talk again, not only does she have this whole Phoenix dream of being possessed and whatever, mm-hmm. but she also, once she wakes up from that dream, there's no, like, checking her wounds or... Or, or getting acquainted with where she is or whatever. Mm-hmm. She just fucking gets up, walks out of the cave like a badass, yep. gets her gun loaded, and looks out at the desert like, all right, time to go kill some people, you know? like there. She keeps <laughs> up with a goddamn truck at one point. Right. So, like, <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. yeah. She, she keeps up with the damn truck, you know? So, so, again, it just, it really feels like she just comes back from the dead and is like, all right, time to kick some ass. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta kill these motherfuckers. 
But but as for killing him, you know, I mean, even down to this side of it, <laughs> Varghiet is just loading this film with metaphor, you yes. know, and just with so much. This is my other favorite thing about Revenge, is, and I'm sorry that this episode's kind of like, we love this movie. <laughs> Uh, but this is my other favorite thing about Revenge is that it's satisfying. Yes. It's so satisfying. And this is another key difference between this and some male rape revenge movies is that let, let's take Last House on the Left, for example, right? Mm -hmm. mm. The women who are raped are not the ones who get the vengeance. Yep. It's their parents. Yeah. And while it's nice to see the parents get the vengeance, I would have loved to see those women get the vengeance. Yep. And I, they deserve it. <laughs> And I spit on your grave, the vengeance isn't always so satisfying mm -hmm. because, you know, like perhaps one of the most satisfying deaths is the last one, or I think the last one. It's honestly been a long time since I watched the movie because I don't like it very much. But, but you know, but one of the moments that, that she gets back at a guy is, and, and keeping in mind that this is a guy who raped and thought he murdered her, is he finds out she's alive and he gets into a bathtub with her and they're both nude and then she castrates him, which is great, but... But again, she's using, like, you know, it, it, none of it feels right. Yeah. You know? Revenge is different because revenge, not only is Jen not sexualized, yep. not only does Jen not have to use her sexuality to get back at these men mm -hmm. because she's on equal footing with them and doesn't have to be all, you know, feminine in their eyes or whatever to do this. She's just an equal, strong woman. Mm -hmm. But the kills are just so <laughs> satisfying. Yep. And, and they're in such a way that, like, these men get exactly what they deserve. Like, I love Dimitri getting stabbed in the eyes yep. for having watched. Yes. Stan's death is perfect because Stan, you know, again, is the most pathetic of the men, I feel like. Mm -hmm. And he is killed while driving a car because he cannot be a man, <laughs> quote unquote, and fight her hand to hand. Mm -hmm. He has to be in a fucking vehicle. He has to have an advantage, yep. <laughs> an unfair advantage in order to take her on. And she still kicks his ass. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I personally, you know, like I said, for me with all the dudes, they represent the different aspects of, of the rape culture sort of thing. So for me, I really love Richard's death um, because it really showcases how fucked up our society is. Because again, for me, Richard is, you know, the... Um, the representation of rape culture prevalent in our society. He is the dudes, the judges that let these boys walk because he doesn't want to mm. ruin their futures. He's the one who wants to blame women because they were dressed scantily. He wants to shove everything under the rug and tell women that their pain isn't important. What they went through was nothing and not mm. as important as these men's future. That's who Richard is for me. And so there's something so cathartic about him being in the nude like and them you know very accurately running around this bloody maze because that's their whole thing is that they're circling each other and that's what it kind of feels like being a woman in society sometimes is just you're running and running and you're trying to like get some advantage well, it's running in circles and never getting anywhere with exactly that. and like you know the fact that she trips in his blood you know and but she still gets to fucking kill him and, you know, there's he's got this whole little speech at the end of, um, you know, who the fuck do you think you are? And it's so representative of dudes. Who the fuck do these women think you are? You think you can control me? You think you can threaten my life? And then he goes, 
yes, yes, I fucking can. And I'm going to shoot you in the goddamn heart while your dick's hanging out. Because you can go fuck yourself. Yeah, I mean, there's that. <laughs> I, I, take it, I, I take it more as like, I, I agree with you on the whole running in circles part of it. Um, mm-hmm. and, and that also applies to like the hunt as well, right? You yeah. know, as men hunt, mm-hmm. so to speak. And, and you know, and, and I look, I just love this whole last sequence. You know, I remember reading a review for this uh, before seeing the movie where someone had mentioned it's like one of the bloodiest finales of the year. <laughs> and so I was really pumped to see it and it lived up to my expectations because there was so, there much, was so fucking, much blood. There is so much fucking <laughs> blood in this ending. And again, per- just perfect midnight movie madness, right? Yeah. But I love them running in circles like this and it is so intense. It's so aggressive. Mm-hmm. And it, it takes Richard down to his most primal self. Yes. Which is what's perfect, which is what works so well about it is that it really establishes just the the complete and utter primalness of men. You know, mm-hmm. he's naked, he's covered in blood. He's he, feral. He's, he's fair. He, yeah, he's like a feral animal just growling and, and raging, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and alternatively, we have Jen who's just calm, keeping herself collected, mm-hmm. being intelligent about it. You know, like watching where his blood is, taking mm-hmm. advantage of it, These and, and cool. we're called the emotional ones. Right. Get bent. Well, well, and this is and this is my point is that you know men like men like Richard mm-hmm. constantly love to refer to women as being like hysterical mm-hmm. and you know emotional and whatever, but it's him who's yep. the one who's becoming that way in this moment, where Jen is the opposite and being calm and collected. <laughs> um, but then, as far as his death, the other thing that I like about it is that. You know, it it is symbolic as well of you know not just as you put it, she can kick his ass, but <laughs> but it but it's also you know what works for his death is she shoots him in the heart. Yeah. You know, a- after taking his ribs, mm-hmm. which again I love the imagery of her taking his ribs yeah. to kill him. <laughs> uh, going back to the religious iconography, her shooting him in the heart to me is like you know I think it's pretty simple in that he broke her heart. Like I- yeah. I'm not saying that she loved him. But she certainly liked him enough to be there, mm-hmm. and, he, and he broke her fucking heart. And this is her kind of being like, I'm taking that back, you know? Yeah. Uh, you broke my heart, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna I'm to break gonna, yours. <laughs> you broke my heart, I'm going to shoot yours. Right, exactly. So, uh, And then, like you said, just having him left there naked and bloody and in the same vulnerable position that he left her in mm-hmm. and broke her heart by doing so, yep. you know, I think is just the perfect way to end it. Yes. Like I honestly cannot imagine a better way to end this film mm-hmm. <laughs> than to just leave him like that bloody and pathetic and naked. Yeah. Uh, and then again, just to end on that last shot with her looking at the camera and being like, this is my world now. Yes. You know, <laughs> so fucking good. So fucking good. Yeah. Which by the way, I love her outfit because like, again, if we had a male director, you know, I think girls in, in rape revenge films being kind of scantily clad is not, outside the norm but the fact that she is in the all black and has this awesome sports bra in it like normally i feel like she'd be in like a push-up bra and her tits would be on display and stuff like that but no she's super powerful even though she's displaying most of her body nothing is sexual about what she's wearing despite it being all black bra and panties i i mean a key difference there is that jen is not covered in makeup yeah and, and and something you would see in films past like this is that the you know the woman would be done up, mm-hmm. I guess, right? Yeah, to, but no, to... she's dirty and grimy and super fucking sexy and hot. My God, I love her, and also I want her top, like so bad. It's a great top. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, all right, so we do unfortunately have to start wrapping up. I know, Ooh. I know, we both love to talk about <laughs> this movie more because it's just so goddamn good. But yep. uh, who is your killer idiot of revenge? Uh, that's fucking Stan. Like, look, you're a fucking idiot if you think a woman owes you anything, and you deserve to get shot in the fucking face. Yeah, I just wrote Stan for so many reasons. So many reasons. Because he is. He's a complete fuck up. He's yep. he's pathetic. He's a moron. And and something I didn't mention earlier is, again, focusing on the idea of how pathetic he is and Fargia kind of portraying, you know, the men that are like this mm-hmm. is also kind of showing like how men like Stan have this fucked up view of what love is. Yeah. Because the film does actually kind of imply that Stan is in love with her in in his yep. own fucked up version of he, what love is, you know? Yeah. Because cause he's, like, he's listening to her iPod and, like... He's playing love know. songs while he thinks she's dying. Right. Like, there, there's just all sorts of stuff like that, that that implies, like, he's in love with her, but it's a fucked up, sick version of what love means. Yep. You know, kind of talking about how... You know, like I like I know so many women growing up who would go on one date with a guy and he's like professing his love to them immediately afterwards. And they're just like, yeah, a little too soon for me, bud. Yeah, Chill the fuck (laughs) out, bro. You know, so it kind of I think it kind of speaks to that a little bit on how like men immediately begin taking ownership of a woman of like, well, I love you. I own you. You're like in my brain now, you know. Yeah. So again, just painting how pathetic men like that are. Yeah. Uh, what about your killer death? Oh, that's Richard. Like, I just again, I love him dying naked, dick out in a pool of his own blood, having saran wrapped his guts back in. Just like this is how all dudes who think lesser than of women should die. Just like uh. vulnerable, naked, and alone. Yeah, fair. And and you know, I, and bleeding out of your fucking blown up ribs for like 10 minutes you know like make yep. make it last make it painful that, that's yes. great um <laughs> uh yeah i think if, i think if i'm counting the entire scene with richard mm-hmm. uh that would be mine but if i'm just focusing on the death itself i'm gonna go with dimitri because i again oh, yeah I, again i just love him thinking that he has the upper hand on jen and her just stabbing him in the eyes <laughs> so good just stabby stabby yep and his just <laughs> high-pitched screams yeah it's great uh, what about your killer MVP? Obviously, that goes to Corali Fergit because this movie is perfect. She wrote it. She directed it. Everything about this for me really speaks to the the female experience of just trying to survive. Um, and it's just so fucking perfect that I've now decided the only rape revenge films I will watch are ones that are directed by women. Otherwise, I'm not touching them with a 10-foot pole. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, to be honest with you, the, those are the only ones that I'm really interested in as well. Mm. And and not all of them are like this. Like, some of them are very traumatic and hard to watch still. <laughs> I mean, understandable. Everyone's um, going to have their own view on it. Right. But so so I would say I only want to watch rape revenge films and, and I mean, look, I will watch everything, so I'm not just going to do this. But <laughs> but I prefer to only watch rape revenge films directed by women that are extremely cathartic the way revenge is. Because mm-hmm. that because that's the thing with Fargate's film is that it's extremely cathartic. Yep. You do not leave this film feeling like you didn't get the satisfaction that you needed. Mm-hmm. You get what you need out of this movie. Like yes. You get the catharsis. You get the revenge. You get what you want out of it, I hope. Yep. For most people, I think. Um, and you get male butts. And you get male butts. Male and butts. dick. Uh, I don't care so, about that. <laughs> well, you still get both. Um, 
so I'm going to say Matilda Lutz because I love her performance. In yes. This. I, you know, it's a very subtle performance, mm-hmm. but I think it's great. Like she, again, you know, being a character that does not speak a single word after the first act, I think she really does a great job of portraying the emotion that's kind of going on with her. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I, you know, I even just love little moments like the complete disdain that she so that she shows for Stan mm-hmm. when after she shoots him and like drags him out of the car. <laughs> like she just gives this perfect look of like you piece of shit. Yeah. And she just like drags him out of the front seat. Um, so no, it's Matilda Lutz for me. I, I think she, that she perfect. She's perfectly cast for this. Mm-hmm. Does a great job at the role. And she she really deserves more starring roles like this. I would mm-hmm. love to see more from her uh, in I, roles like this. So. I will watch anything she's in now. So every week on Killer Critics, we also get your thoughts and feelings on the film uh, through a poll that we put up. So between love it, it's fine, don't like it, never seen it, where do you think the audience fell on Revenge? Uh, oh, this is a tough one. I'm going to go with... I'm going to go with love it because I really hope that's the answer. <laughs> It is the answer, but not by the margin I was hoping for. So, so love it is fifty four point five percent. As long as it wins, <laughs> it's fine. Was fifteen point two percent. Don't like it was three percent, and a whopping twenty seven point three percent. So they never seen it. So all the never seen it's get Shutter, go watch Revenge. This movie's amazing. <laughs> I definitely agree. I can understand potentially the level of never seen it if they're in the same boat that I am, where they have like a hard and fast rule that this is a type that they don't watch. Right. And, and it's a more recent movie, you know, mm-hmm. so like, you know, for I, I always kind of feel like for a general audience, sometimes it takes years to kind of get around to movies that are releasing. Yeah. And, and this wasn't a huge hit from what I remember. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, it was talked really, it, you know, it got a lot of great reviews, I think. Uh, but the movie didn't particularly do well in terms of box office. So, but yeah, no, those that haven't seen it could not recommend this movie more. Agreed. <laughs> uh, so you always get comments from you all as well. So these are all from Twitter. So first up is at beer nut one. So that's beer nut. And then the number one, and they say revenge, a well-made film on a tough subject, gritty and doesn't shy away from the horror and disgust at what the protagonist has done to her and what she has to do to survive. Plus, the casual way the men look away at horror they do in front of them is so disturbing but sadly feels real. Yeah, I think you definitely nailed what makes this film amazing and, you know, the part of this hard subject matter that doesn't get talked about enough. And that's the fact that men look away. Mm -hmm. Men see what's happening and they do nothing. So like, yeah, you all want to be control freak protectors or any shit like that. You got to step up in situations like this. Yeah, no. And that's my thought, too. And that's, again, another point that I love that Revenge makes is to show the Dimitri character and Mm -hmm. and how awful that is and how disgusting it is. Again, like he's enhanced as the most disgusting character. Yep. Uh, Like, you know, Stan does the most awful act. But well, one of the most awful acts. But but Dimitri is really he's really portrayed as a shit pig because again, it's the movie trying to say like, hey, just because you don't do the thing Mm -hmm. doesn't make you any less innocent if you allow it to happen. You know, Mm -hmm. so so this movie and frankly my message to men is speak up. Like you see you see a woman being harassed by other dudes, you fucking say something. You Mm -hmm. know, like. Otherwise, be, you're not a dude. Be part, a be part of the solution, <laughs> not part of the problem. You yeah. Know? So, uh, so anyway, thank you at Beernut1 for the comment. Appreciate it. Next up is a comment from at NarcoticCasser1. So that's Narcotic, C-A-S-S-E-R, and the number one. And they say, a beautiful, visceral, emotionally exhausting, and ultimately satisfying film in every way. 
It's a damn good thing I have high ceilings, otherwise they'd have been damaged from how many times I punched the air while watching this film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I definitely agree with you. Visceral is such a perfect word for this film because, yeah, that sums it up in one singular world. And, yeah, I agree with you with, with punching the air and all that kind of stuff. I think the first time we saw it, it was really difficult for me to, like, stay contained because I think we were in the movie theater and, like... No, we didn't no. see this in theaters. Oh, it was still hard for me to, like, not, like, yell and be excited and all that kind of stuff. Because, yeah, this movie is great. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. Again, this is a crowd pleaser. And mm. I, I would love to see this, you know, uh, play at a theater near me at one point. Because it would just be so much fun to watch this with an audience. Oh, yeah. Because uh, there are so many cheer-worthy moments, as Narcotic Caster points out. So, uh, thank you, at Narcotic Caster 1, for the comment. Appreciate it. Next up is a comment from at run Kyle run 13. So that's run Kyle run. And then the number is 13 and they say the rape revenge subgenre is always a hard watch. Revenge does a good job conveying Jen's trauma without showing too much. Jen's transformation from survivor to badass hellbent on vengeance is so satisfying Matilda Lutz is amazing in this. Her performance alone is worth watching. Yeah, this is, it's a hard subject matter. And the fact that, you know, Matilda did such a good job of playing such a nuanced role and such a badass just still blows me away. Yeah, no, couldn't agree more with all that. Uh, like I said, just an incredible film that's hard to watch at times, but just so satisfying in the way that it's handled. Uh, so thank you at RunKyleRun13 for the comment. Appreciate it. Next up is a comment from at Mr. Phil Armitage. So that's Mr. P-H-I-L-A-R-M-I-T-A-G-E. And they say so much blood. One of the most stylishly, beautifully invigorating splatter films of the last few years. I obviously agree. Like the film is gorgeous and the slasher in me is is loving how much blood there is in this film. <laughs> Yeah, so like I said, I mean, this is honestly, I think, one of my favorite films of the last five years because it just, it, again, if you're into these midnight movie madness splatter movies, Revenge is like top tier. It's yeah. God tier. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> uh, so thank you, at Mr. Phil Armitage, for the comment. Appreciate it. And then lastly is a comment from at bad underscore critic underscore. So that's bad underscore critic underscore. And they say 100% worth it for the bloody finale. Absolutely agree. The finale is the best part of this film. It's so good. Yeah. Uh, like we just talked about for like 10 minutes. It's just, it's so <laughs> fucking good. The it's... finale is perfect. No notes would not change a thing. <laughs> Agreed. Uh, so thank you at bad underscore critic underscore for the comment. Appreciate it. Uh, so we have our releases for the week as well. So uh, this week you can catch the Resident Evil series, which is coming to Netflix on the 14th. I have not yet seen it. Reviews have been mixed, uh, but I think it looks super fun. And some of my more trusted uh, friend critics have really enjoyed it. So I would say if you liked the most recent Resident Evil, which was fun, but kind of campy and all that kind of stuff, you'll probably enjoy this. I think that's the vibe that we're going to get with it. Uh, but I think it looks fun. So, you know, you can check that out on the 14th. Uh, then there's a film called She Will, which comes to VOD on the 15th. And this is a film that stars Alice Creed, who is just such an incredible actress, uh, as a aging actress who goes to a woman's retreat after having a mastectomy. And this retreat is in a village where there were a lot of witch burnings, and she begins to find the earth kind of like sort of speaking to her and that kind of thing. And it ultimately ends up being just like this very uh, kind of surreal 
sort of dreamy uh, witchcraft uh, revenge film. Uh, so it's that makes it sound a little more exciting than it is. It's not necessarily an exciting film, uh, but it is very well done. I really enjoyed it. Uh, few flaws with it, but otherwise, I think it's a good movie that that really portrays witchcraft in a more interesting way, where it's more empowering <laughs> than it is frightening. You know, so so I definitely do recommend it. Is it pretty? It, very pretty. Yeah. Very very gorgeously shot. Uh, and then last is a film called American Carnage, which comes to VOD on the 15th. Uh, and this features Jenna Ortega not in a starring role, but in, in a major role. <laughs> <laughs> and this is basically a film about um, a bunch of Mexican teenagers who have been taken into custody by this governor that's, like, trying to crack down on immigrants. Mm-hmm. And the main character, in order to... Uh, potentially help save his mother from being deported, uh, has to do this program helping elderly people at this facility in order to become a citizen and, like, get her back. It, it's, it sounds a little more complicated than it is. Uh, I'm a little buzzed at this point. <laughs> um, but but while there, they discover the horrible secret going on at this facility with the old people. And basically, it's, it's, a, it's very much... A, a commentary just on kind of like how America treats minorities and, and, you know, sort of like privileged white people and the way that they kind of run the system and stuff. And it's, uh, it's entertaining. It's funny. I love the characters. The only issue I had with it is that it's not as satisfying Hmm. as you want it to be. Like there are some satisfying moments, but it's not like revenge where you're like, yeah, fucking get some, you know, like it, it kind of shies away from, I think, Mm-hmm. some of the more cathartic moments that it could have had. Mm-hmm. Uh, but otherwise, it's a fun film, you know? Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to say it's great, but it's a it's a fun afternoon watch. So okay. uh, so check that out if you like. Again, that's VOD on the 15th. Uh, otherwise, next week, we're going to be talking about the film Ready or Not, yes. which I cannot wait to do. It's such a great movie. And that's going to do it for us. So I'm Matt. And I'm Chris. And have a great night, horror fans. Bye. I hope you've enjoyed tonight's episode of Killer Horror Critic. If you'd like to scream with us some more, please subscribe on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Killer From Space, as well as Instagram at Killer underscore Horror underscore Critic. New episodes release every Friday, so keep your eyeballs peeled just the way I like them. Have a good night. Horror fans.